your girl Sparky T at the Radical Lounge where we're having open and honest radical conversations about some very uncomfortable situations with both races, black and white beautiful faces. We've got the ever so beautiful KB, the ever so awesome Stony, and the super tripperific Bishop! <laughs> All right, thanks for joining us again, guys, on another fucking awesome episode of the Radical Lounge. So today we're going to talk about how we all got together, how we were four strangers that came together through the Black Lives Movement. Um, I guess there's an ish. There's an ish to be thrown in there, but uh, the four of us all came together for this podcast um, through the Black Lives Matter, but we all met uh, different ways and... Yeah, it was just an amazing thing. So we're going to share our story of how we got here and why we're here and what what the hell what the hell we're doing here, man. So we're going to start in the order of how I met all of these wonderful people. But first, let me introduce my lovely panel of hosts. We have the ever so lovely KB. Hello, guys. We have the ever so awesome Stony. What's up? And we have the ever so gentle, loving and kind Bishop. And patient. <laughs> and, and patient. <laughs> and handsome. Quite writable. Wait, what did you say? Midlow? <laughs> what did you say? <laughs> no, you can swipe right on me. Okay. <laughs> Swipe writable. That's what oh, right. Swipe writable. <laughs> Y'all heard what I heard. You better pull that. Your microphone is way down low, dude. <laughs> what word did y'all hear? Now I really want to know. KB, what did you hear? I didn't hear. It sounded muffled to me, so it's on it the set. Yeah, I it was, heard. It was mumbled. Oh, okay. I, That's... I heard writable, and I was like, meat, meat, meat loaf, meat loaf. <laughs> I was like, Tony, as Riley like just. Highly inappropriate. All right, so so the first so the first the first one of these jokers that I've met is uh, Mr. Stoney. So, what's your story, man? Uh jeez, how far how how far back am I supposed to go here? <laughs> to to how we met, or or yes, um. Bishop, what's wrong? I said conception. conception. <laughs> that sounds meatloafy. That, yeah, that's that's a little too far back, and I don't know all those details. <laughs> Thankfully. <laughs> <laughs> um. Well, for me, it started. I mean, being being related to Tony, or rather, finding that out the uh, the hard way, I guess. Um, started uh, a few years ago, actually, with having to go to the hospital and needing to find out my medical history. So I decided to do a lovely Ancestry.com uh, DNA test. You can pay us for sponsorship, Ancestry.com. <laughs> um, and then from there, once I, once I got results back... Um, I looked through the results, 
And with Ancestry, it gives you just usually a list of people that are like, you know, your first, closest first cousin, possibly second cousin, all that goes down the whole tree. So I hit the person pretty much at the top of the list that had the closest match. And from there, it actually turns out that it was my mother's stepsister, if I'm correct with that one. And... Um, so through her, I was able to connect with, ultimately connect with my mom. And then my mom was the one who actually connected Tony and I together, I believe. Sparky T. <laughs> Sorry. Um, where's our gong? Um, so yeah, through that, that's how, um, I ended up finding out that I had a sister and she actually reached out to me first via email. And then we just, uh, started talking from there. And here we are. And, and, and here we are. And then I met Bishop and KV. Here we are. <laughs> and so, so just so everybody knows, like, Stoney has gotten to know me as his sister uh, through a lot through the show, right? Like, there's, I think, yeah. a lot of stuff that we've talked about that um, that I've shared about just like me growing up, which is, you know, his biological mom that he never knew. So, because uh, when when we met, I said, eh, you know, like life was challenging for her, so I want you should just get to know her for who she is today. So. Um, it's been very interesting to kind of be in those moments as we're all getting to know each other and sharing that. And he's, you know, essentially learning about his biological mom and his, his sister. So, and then, it's an you know, interesting ride. And Bishop and, and KB like to say naughty words that make me say meatloaf <laughs> <laughs> in front of my brother. <laughs> all right, Bishop, you're next. I am next. Can you guys hear me better? Yeah. It's yeah, it's, a lot, it's louder. It's okay. Yeah. All right. Um, so I met Sparky T. Somehow, <laughs> the funny thing <laughs> is I put my, uh, I was looking to get an app developed. And I was in a, uh, all, it was a group for black owned businesses. <laughs> um, and somehow Sparky T infiltrated, infiltrated. Sorry. And uh, goddamn white people. Yeah, I was looking to get an app developing. I put a recommendation out, looking for a recommendation, and her or someone that works for her um, found me and you know sent me to her, and we started talking. And as I kind of started discussing the things on my app that I wanted. Um, which we'll talk about later on in the podcast, you know, further down the road as that app comes to fruition. Um, but it's, it's definitely geared towards the, the advancement of uh, my communities, my black community. Um, Sparky T and I had a lot of good conversations and um, we just really connected on a, a, a different level. Um, and she's my soul sister. So um, from there, we, you know, she came to us with this brainchild of, hey, let's just talk about white people and black people, how we should not hate each other and get along and just be happy and shit. 
And uh, here we are, you know, it was really a quick transition from, Hey, I want your money to develop my app to, Hey, let's talk about furthering black people's agenda. <laughs> Good thing you found her, <laughs> even though she's not black. <laughs> yeah, she's definitely not black, everybody. Sparky T is definitely not black. No. Although she has stated that she wants some Nigeria in her. Wow. Oh, bliggle. My glasses are fogging up. Your face is the color of Bishop's Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, but what I loved is, yeah, go ahead. Okay, KB. <laughs> <laughs> well, Tony put um, a post up on Instagram. And I think with that post, I agreed with her. We kind of went back up, back and forth a little bit in the comments. And then Someone Tony, agreed with me. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> and then Tony got in my DM. Yeah, she did. <laughs> but she uh, reached out to me and um, said she liked the direction that the conversation was going on her post and that she was creating a new podcast and wanted to know if I would like to be a part of it. So I'm all for everything. I was like, let's, let's fucking do it. And she told me that she had two other people, which is Stoney and Bishop. And I met these guys and it was love at first sight. Like we really, it was, it really was a fun moment. Like just meeting them, they was very welcoming to me and everything. So, and here we are. I'm glad that Tony found me and I have this group now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's really, you guys are the best. <laughs> <laughs> it's really been like, I think, I have been wanting to do a podcast for a really long time, but I could never connect to something that made sense for me, you know, subject wise. And so it was always one of those, you know, projects that were just kind of on this side burner of like when it clicks and it hits, then, you know, when the time's right, it, it will take momentum. And um, I know Stoney and I had talked about like starting one. I don't even remember what the hell we initially started like what we well, I had talked I had talked about I was going to start one with a friend yeah um like a oh you know one of the gazillion other freaking podcasts out there that talk about you know Marvel movies and DC movies and all that not like there's a million already you were going to talk about Star Wars well Star Wars included <laughs> but I figured I yeah. wouldn't leave right with that you know oh, I, mean, <laughs> I do know some other stuff I was like, <laughs> Star Wars <laughs> Um, but Who yeah, know he's in a spaceship as we speak. He really is in a spaceship, like Shit in space. Pretty dope. And <laughs> if I had to guess, I'm pretty sure he is probably floating about the same elevation of that. <laughs> yeah. What? Okay. But here's a here's a quick trivia. Does anybody here know what that fucking spaceship is called? Besides Stony, obviously. <laughs> Just guess. No, don't Google it, Bishop. Don't cheat. Uh, <laughs> I wasn't going to Google it. I was just going, this is my old Estonia. I got to give it to him every single time. <laughs> I had to give it to him. That's all I, that's all I got. <laughs> Does that have any like R2-D2 noises on there? I'm sure they do. I have to find them. Okay. Um, I remember talking with Bishop and yeah, initially, <laughs> that's funny, kind of what we were talking about earlier, but 
Oh shit, now he's in the clouds. He just took off. He's going to Cloud City now. Um, <laughs> I were, did initially start off talking about He said, I'm going to be really honest with you. Like, I was looking for a black developer, so I don't know how, how you got here. And I said, I don't know. It's like my people. They just get everywhere. So, like, no offense. We weren't trying to take over. But I understand. He said, no, no, no. Like, um, she means her people. She means her employees, not her white people. Yes, yeah, not my white people because my employees are not white. Um, and so he he was very like super cautious. He was like, okay, first of all, like this needs to be NDA, and like he really didn't want to give any like a lot up. And so the more we talked, it was like, yeah, I think we just had this connection and and what it is about. Um, I connected with and I was super supportive of, but I also was like, you know, understand if you want um, somebody from your community to do it, I get it. But we ended up talking for what, like two? Yeah, it was like two hours. Two hours, hours yeah. And it, it really went away from business and just more about like what was going on with the Black Lives Movement and the community and like what we thought, you know, good change would be and, and how do we work together in communication. And so it was, it was like, you know, meeting my soul brother, like this man who I'd never met before. Um, and so what started as this very like cautious phone call turned into this, you know, I mean, I think we would have hugged it out if it wasn't for COVID and being, you know, states away. Like mm-hmm. I really, and it just, and I think you said the same thing, Bishop, like it just sparked, like I was just sparked with such joy and like happiness, you know, when we got off the phone, it was like, how do you meet the straight, you know, the strange person and we're talking about business, but we end up connecting on such a, a great, like just a human level you know, for hours and like really sharing like our hearts and getting to know one another. Um, and to me, that was very, that was very important and meant a lot because I think it's kind of connecting to where we are today. It's that we lack this just basic human connection with one another. You know, it's like there were two strangers. I mean, he could have heard that I was white and just hung up the phone, you know, or been like, yeah, no, mm-hmm. thank you. I know you are every day. You are. I was close, but I, I, I you know, uh, and and that's definitely something I think we could talk about on you know maybe another episode is you know the, the challenges with you know that I've encountered or just I don't know if yeah. maybe some of the stigmas they put on black-owned businesses and yeah the things that they get because I personally ran into a, a few roadblocks that you know led me to say you know what I mean I I've literally tried to give this business to. Uh, black developers and I, I've ran into some of the worst business mm-hmm. that I, I could ever imagine. And I'm like, dude, I'm, I'm literally just handing you my money and I just need you to be able to develop. And majority of them would either not respond. They would, you know, they, I couldn't get them to to give me even examples of things that they've done. And then mm-hmm. some would just outright after ignoring me for weeks and weeks and weeks would just say, all right, I just don't want to do it. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like yeah. it was, I'm, <laughs> I'm over it yeah it was just like i'm over it and you know it just kind of got to the point where it was like you know what i own this idea so whoever's working for me to get it help me bring it to fruition is still a black owned idea but my my premise behind it was to try to put everybody who i could in a place to help me that was in a black owned business yeah. um but I, I just haven't had that luck and then you know i met tony or sparky t sorry and uh she has uh, 
showing me a level of competence that made me feel comfortable. And that was, you know, really all I needed at this point. I was just frustrated <laughs> enough. So, you know, thank you for being my competent white friend. You're very welcome, my black friend. <laughs> Um, and KB, yes, and I remember exactly what the post was. It was a crazy white couple who was like, um, tossing black paint over the Black Lives Matter. Oh, yeah, in the middle of the street, in the middle of the street. And, um, the husband, I mean, everybody was yelling, but the husband in particular during that conflict or confrontation was yelling at the woman saying, you know, he was saying all lives matter. She was saying, you know, yeah, but black, you know, black lives matter. And they were just caught in arguments. So they weren't hearing each other. And then the, the crazy white husband who was with the wife there in the black paint said, um, all lives matter. Like your life, my life doesn't matter more than your life. And your life doesn't matter more than my life. All of our lives matter. And when I heard that, it was just like this moment, because at the moment, that was like in, kind of still in the middle of like big explosion for this whole movement. And I was like, that's that. I think whatever my post was, KB, that you re responded to is I was like, the communication is like the message of the movement is being missed because it's like when two people are in an argument and your, your, your emotions are high and you're yelling at each other. You both nobody can, can be heard. Yeah, you both could be saying the exact same thing and be on the same page with the same mission, but you can't hear each other because you're too busy with your emotions high and being angry. And and I and I said some I think and then I think I even put on there like that's it like I'm starting the podcast like so that yeah. we can <laughs> talk about this and then that's when I snuck into your DM and I was like you know and then kb and i got on the phone and her and i talked for like three hours i mean it was just like we just connected on one level or another and i was like shit here's my soul sister i even told her i was like i just talked to this dude you know stoney's my soul yeah, and our energy was super high that day we were like yeah. we were we were pissed off of the post and just our life experiences and yeah. that our life experiences really brought us together yeah 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 i think so and it's like um so I guess, you know, it's like we we all kind of were talking about this the other day. So I think this is a good thing to for all of us to just share about how, you know, initially it was like coming on to elaborate on like the Black Lives Movement, Black Lives Matter movement and what it really means. Um, but I feel like we've already evolved into saying like we don't want to just kind of be the repeat of what's being you know, looped on media and that we want to sort of show like, this is how this is like, this is a step towards the right direction and that we have an equal panel um, that we do come from different backgrounds and that we can talk about these things and learn from each other so that we can better understand each other. And I feel like better understanding each other is what helps us learn to live together, you know, more positively. So yeah, I don't know if you guys want to like share shared thoughts on that and like where we started and and where we are i mean i think uh i think this whole thing is going to if anything is going to kind of enlighten us all in in, in this circle of people um i, I definitely hope that it, it touches people who are listening and just kind of makes it you know okay to have certain conversations that are uncomfortable i think uh one of the problems these days is that everybody does everything um, through a keyboard. And so most people don't really 
understand how to have a real conversation. So they do it behind, you know, social media and, and, and these things and never really kind of like, even though we're all talking virtually, we have this ability to actually just communicate with each other. And I think that it, it, it one that helps too, because what could get lost in translation does not. And, you know, we have the ability to kind of like ask for clarification or seek it and, and just ask the questions that, even, you know, on each side, we may not be thinking, I mean, we may be thinking, but we may not have necessarily knew if it was comfortable or okay to ask. And now it's kind of like, we're saying, listen, this is like your amnesty place. Like you can come in here and say things and, and, and put, you know, your thoughts out in the air and we can discuss them and educate each other. And maybe through that, it's going to touch someone else. So, I mean, I, I think it's dope that we are coming from different walks of life um, and different mindsets on, you know, how we, how we operate. And uh, I'm definitely, for me personally, the, the connection I'm more interested in out of all of this is the one between Sparky T and Stoney. Um, yeah. Just kind of understanding that dynamic and the fact that you guys are completely. Well, completely on, completely from different opposite ends of the spectrum. Exactly. Pretty much growing up. I mean, if, if just the tidbits I've, I've discovered uh, via this podcast, um no i grew up with i grew up with the oh well before, sorry to cut you off stoney but for everyone who's listening stoney is also black <laughs> <laughs> oh that's right he's got stoney's got one percent nigerian in him <laughs> so, he's one of us now he's one of us guys so. that's why i want to find out how much nigerian i have in me <laughs> And apparently, Sparky T is looking for at least ten to twelve percent percent of Nigerian. Look, man, we discovered my fucking white card got revolt revoked. <laughs> I need some card. Come on. You just Nigerian, you you definitely Nigerian. Because you know the saying: the ones go black. But I tell you that I I grew up in in the typical, uh, or I, I don't want to say typical, but like the uh, I guess what you would define as the cookie cutter white family in a sense. Uh, meaning everything looks great on the outside, but the inside's pretty fucking chaotic. Um, you know, uh, being in a family that you know. Well, from like the stories that Tony had, had talked about, that stuff, uh, that was not, I grew up in that white suburb, you know, the, the white picket fence type ordeal. Westport, Connecticut, for the most part, didn't move up to Mass till I was 10. But, you know, I grew up with the parents that were uh, the alcoholics, abusive, that, that side of the, the white community, we'll say. You know, like I said, it's, it's the difference on the appearance on the outside looks great, but on the inside, it's not so much. Yeah. You know? I mean, do, do you think that that's typical? Because you said, it, I, mean, I don't want to misquote you, but you said it was typical white family type thing where it's kind of chaotic. Um, yeah, from, dude. from my friends, from, from, from having friends that have grown up, like um, even, even in, you know, Westport, from what I remember of, of those friends, yeah, there was always a facade in a sense. If you were, if, if you could see, 
or if your eyes are open in a sense, um, you can see behind the curtain. If you've experienced it, it's easier to see. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think there was. I, I think more often than not, it's it's a lot of. The, I've always looked at it as there's definitely two sides of of, of the white upbringing, if you call it, or the society of it. And I hate to even say it this way, but it's it's literally. I think you could pretty much divide it between me and Sparky too. So from just from the stories that I've heard from what she said here, there's that aspect of it. And then there's the other aspect, which I feel is where I grew up with. Gotcha. You know, my dad owned his own company. He was always concerned with, with, you know, bringing home the bacon, if you will. So you, you, have, you have money coming up. Um, you can say it. It's okay. They're about to revoke your black card. Yeah, no, because that's the thing. <laughs> I, I didn't. Okay. Yeah, he's trying to keep it. That's all. He wants to keep it. <laughs> yeah. Like so, I, I grew up. I ended up leaving the the family business in in two thousand and one, um, because I it, I it got to the point where it was just so it couldn't be any clearer that my dad just did not want to relinquish. You know, the whole times with you, Stony, and this is probably my stereotypical piece. When you say family business with your accent, I just immediately think like mafia shit. <laughs> It's the fucking garbage truck business. I listen to his accent and I'm just like, he's like, I left the family business and I'm like, I made it out. I made yeah. it out. Started my own cartel. I'm like, like, I couldn't be the gunner man anymore. I couldn't, <laughs> couldn't chop heads off anymore. You know, I could get away from I, that. My family. I just couldn't do this anymore. <laughs> yeah. but it, was, it was actually an uh, industrial gas industry. Wow. Hmm. Um, That's what they call it. Yeah, that's what they call it. Yeah. You know, construction in a sense. Um, (laughs) But, you know, it's just, it's, it it was the different side of it. So you had the, like, you know, I can remember going to, like, you know, some of his old, you know, college reunions. And it was the whole facade, you know, of of the good wife and and the two good sons. And Mm. how was that for you? Was it? Like one of those irritating things, like we all know we have something going on, but no one is going to address the issue, but we're pretending that it's all good. Was that? Um, For my brother, for my older brother, I think that was more his mentality. Um, I did not necessarily see things that way. I obviously, when, when things when things would get like, you know, too violent or whatever towards my mom or whatnot, I when I was older, probably about 11, this is actually when we moved up to Massachusetts. Um, I had started the confrontations with him when he would start to be a douche. Mm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but no, I, I like, I had seen the stuff, so I, I didn't sit well with me. You know, it's, they usually tell you that, you know, when you grow up, you, you're, you know, with your parents, so you're trying, most people try and grow up to be like their parents in a sense, or, or maybe better than their parents. And it's like, for yeah. me, it was more or less, no, I grew up knowing not what to be. Right. And not who to be. Yeah. You know, the only, cur- the only curse I have is, is unfortunately being a product of that environment is I, I have a temper that it's not a good one. That's a short fuse. 
Yeah, it puts a lot of pressure. I mean, I dealt with that. So my grandmother is opposite, right? That's what my mom ran from. So when my mom's life took a shit, I went to live with her. So that was all about being proper, putting on the image. You don't public your, you know, I mean, and that's why I say white people fucking snap because it's <laughs> no, seriously like, I mean, you, you, you grow so much up pressure. You, well, it's not saying that other people don't have pressure, but it's a different, like, I was even talking to my mom about this. I was telling her about our episodes and some of the stuff we were talking about um, with narcissism in the white community. And she agreed. She said, you know, yeah, I mean, that's what happened to your uncle, you know, where my grandfather, it was, you know, you go to, you go to Catholic church, you become a choir boy, you become a what, altar boy or whatever the hell, you know, kind of boys they are. And, you know, you go to school and then you graduate with a high GPA and then you go to college and then, you, you know, it's like, here's the path. This is what you're supposed to do. And my uncle is a narcissist, you know, it's like you're, you're grown up with, um, and my mom actually works in, or she's retired now, but she worked in the mental health um, field. And it's like, when you have a family that is essentially telling you, hide who you are, um, pretend who you're not, and, uh, you know, do whatever you have to, you know, don't make me look bad, don't make us look bad. And it's like you're constantly being shamed, you're being told that you're never good enough, you're being like nothing you ever do will ever be good enough, you know? It always has to be better. What you look like, how you act, what you think, how you talk, how you stand, how you, I mean, it's like a very, and, and it's so, it's not, it's not to, there's no, don't get me wrong, like, I'm not saying like, feel sorry for white people. I think there just needs to be an understanding of that's how narcissists are formed. You know, my mom was even saying like, um, schizophrenia can be formed from that sort of abuse. And then we were even talking about how like, there's more emotional and physical abuse in white families behind the scenes um, that is really even told about or talked about today. And it causes nasty shit. Um, and I, I, like I said, I'm a firm believer. It causes the narcissism and it, ca- it causes you get those people that are, you know, what about me? And it's all about me because they were told all their life it's not about you. You're never enough. It's about me. And everything you do is a reflection of me. Does that make sense? So I kind of got to see both ends of that. And it does. It's, it's hard. I mean, you end up with people who are really lost. So either people rebel or they just go along with it. And then they get really freaky. And then you got crazy ass motherfucking white people, serial killers, eating people, (laughs) chop people up. Yeah, some of that stuff though I think is is just as common in in the black families. That That's what I was gonna ask though. Is it? It's, it's just different. It's, it's, not, it's not like what's common and what's different. Um, the pressure to be like, especially when it comes to like your family name. Well, our families are very particular about that. You don't go out in the street and act a fool. Don't right. Embarrass, yeah. Don't embarrass you or us. Like that's just not what we do. Um, but at the same time, there's a pressure for you to succeed but our pressure is built differently. It's almost like we have to succeed, but we're taught that there's a reason why. Like it's not just because we have to maintain the status, it's because there's right. a fighting that makes sure you don't succeed. So right. everything you do is to prevent that from be- happening. 
so there there is a pressure on you in that regard but I know some people that grow up and like their expectation is their family wants them to go to college and, and mm-hmm. you know you got to go stick by these rules and that's how it's supposed to um you know you suppose it, it it's guaranteed success if you do that um right I have others that are like listen man as long as you got a trade you're out here you're working hard you, you're doing it the legal way we're we're happy you know what i mean like no one you know looks at it as if you are um you know a, a failure because you didn't do it a specific way right. but there are families that put that same pressure on people especially sure. if they achieve a certain status their and their intentions is for you to not let it look or take the family backwards. Right. But would, you, but would you say that like in the black community, cause that, that's why I kept trying to preface, like I understand it's, it's, it's not a pity, pity potty party for the, the white community, but would you say that in the black communities and families that like, even though it's high expectations or, you know, don't go out on the street and like make our, you know, our name look bad, do you think that it's delivered in a more kind of loving and teaching you to be a responsible individual way rather than this sort of like you're I think for us a, it's in a, a it's shame a loving and a disgrace. Way. For the black community, it's done in a loving way, but it still has to be hard because mm-hmm. it's, it's for us is more like, you know what black people have been through in the world and you know what we, we know how we are treated. So why would you go out there in the world making yourself look bad and, you know, going through certain things that you don't have to when we already know our back is against the wall? So it's the pressure don't of, make you know, it harder on yourself. Yeah, don't make things harder on yourself than what it already is. So the pressure of going to school for us, I think is different for others when it's, you know, go to college, do this and that. It's for us. We don't have a lot of people who graduated from school, from college, or, you know, or even from high school. And we know that we get knocked back 10 steps when we try to move forward, even one. So you have to get out there and do your best no matter what, because our back is against the wall. So I think we have pressure and it's the same, but still different in a way. So is it, do do you feel that, I mean, obviously, I understand, I understand that, you know, they want, you know, you know, to push to, to try and go to college, get a better education. Do they just push to go to college or do they try and say, like, you should go and be a lawyer or you should be a right. dentist or you should be a doctor? Right. No, it's, it's more of um, just it's going just that to you should go get the education. Yeah, figure, figure out, out what you, you know, do. what it is for yourself, you know, make sure that your life is better like for us for me going to college is just going to go to college to better yourself learn more about the world but it wasn't a specific go to college to get this degree or get that degree it was more you know find out who you are you know what you were taught before you left home keep that you know that those things are instilled in yourself and just yeah carry those values and go out and 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 figure it out um, but obviously yeah. I think if they see something, you know, you know, you, if you, if you seem to be attached to like the STEM programs and you seem to be really good with mathematics or certain things, like my mom was big on that stuff. Like you, you debate well, you should be well, able- that's, well, yeah, that's paying attention to, to, what, you know, the, what your strengths are, what your strengths are like my brother, my brother wrote like his first book, I think when he was like 11 or 12, we had like, it might've been younger than that. We had like, it was on a DOS prompt. Was, oh wow! <laughs> like, 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 he was still 
you know, but my mom was like, let him go. Like, you know what I mean? And, you know, he's a, he's a, he went to, he ended up going to school for journalism. You know what I mean? He's still around to this day. I think I probably shouldn't say this on the podcast, but majority of my family got into college because of his letters that he wrote for their, their admissions letters. They usually call him the essays that they have to write. They call my brother and he can write them for them. And literally he's so talented. I've seen him do it because he doesn't even, his computer's broken now. So he does it on a cell phone and he will write your admissions letter on a cell phone and, they everybody who he's done it for has gotten accepted into the colleges that they've submitted it for. Damn. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's just he's really talented. But my no. mom knew that and she fed that. But her thing was like, I don't know what you're gonna do with it, but we know but that you're gonna do something. Yeah, this is your gift. And this But obviously is, something can come of it. Something can come yeah. up. You know what I mean? And and so, you know, for me it was different. I I, I joined the military because I had a baby on the way and I was like, Well, I'm gonna I gotta take care of my kid. My mom hated that. She didn't want me to go. Um, she did want me to go to college. She felt like there was things because I did. I wanted to be an engineer, and so I ended up becoming one. But I didn't take the route that I should have taken. Um, but she just was really adamant, like, "Don't do this," you know. And and back then, for her, the military wasn't a place for black people. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't feel like it was in our best interest. And you know, to her point, I, you know, I, one of the reasons I got out was because of the racism I endured when I was there. How long ago was that, Bishop? Um, I got out in 2001 of active duty. Um, okay. So it's been a while since I've been out. And uh, it was, it was, you know, I had some, some definite trials and tribulations. I loved certain parts and I'm glad that I served. And I'm proud of that. But um, I, it, it baffled me to my, to my core that, you know, someone can not like me because of the color of my skin. And I'm thinking, but we might have to go to war together. Yes. You know, so so you, you hate me that much, but this person over here hates all of us. Yeah. And so what's it going to be? Now I'm worried. Like if I'm in a foxhole, I got to worry about this person over there that's going to shoot me and this person in the foxhole that may want to shoot me too. That's a very scary oh, place to be. See you get shot and maybe not even help you. It, yeah, it's a very, very yeah. frightening place to be. And some of the things that I, you know, I just dealt with with people in the military just was like, you know, but I understood what my mother, you know, meant at that point. But she, her thing was she just wanted to feed into your gifts. If you have a talent, and that's what, you know, I, I try to instill the same in my own children. Like, I'm not going to tell you that college is the way for you. Um, it may not be. That may not be what your, what, what your gift is. You know what I mean? And I'm going to let you figure that out. But my thing is you have to do something. You right, know, yeah. What's not going to happen is you're going to sit at home and do absolutely nothing while you figure it out. You're going to go get a job. You're going to, you know, you're going to go out here and figure, you're going to do something, but what you can't do is nothing. And I think that's mm-hmm. the biggest thing in most black homes is that yeah. they, they, they got to be something. You got to do something. You can't yeah. be, you know, lazy people don't, don't do well in black communities. And and the, yeah. The question, the question was generated because one of the things is, is my, my, the push for me was go to college, but it was more of the push of, well, we want you to either be, you know, a lawyer or a dentist or a doctor. And it was like, it wasn't, you know, fuck whatever the fuck you want to do. Yeah, it was this. Oh, you, you have free will? No, you don't. Not here. You, you, you go to college. And so, you know, for me, I, well, was a defiant fucker for a very no. long time. No. And, um, <laughs> oh, yeah, there, there's, there's, there's lovely. I remember when, we, when, when, the, when my dad closed down the shop, there was a notebook. He was one of the people that, you know, any phone call he got, he always had his notebook and he would write down notes. Going through these fucking notebooks, I was like, huh. Apparently, my parents weren't as ignorant as a lot of the shit I did that I thought. 
Yeah. Yeah, there's phone calls from police stations and all sorts. I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> they knew that? I guess I didn't get away with that one. <laughs> and, and to me, I think, I think what's interesting when I hear you say that, does that make you think that maybe they were pushing you in a direction simply because they knew some of the things that you were, you were doing and they were trying to... Um, do you think it was a cause and effect? The things you it, it was a cause and effect. The things I, the rebellious way that I went was because of their pressure to try and push me towards that direction. And, yeah. and that we really, the, the lack of choice of what you want to do. Like, That's you know, I, I played, I played sports. This started when we were in Connecticut. I played sports when I was younger, which I enjoyed at the time. But as we, you know, when, when I got older and we moved up here to Massachusetts and I continued to play sports because my dad wanted me to play sports. Okay, sure. And then it was like one of those dawning moments one day of like, he's not even fucking here. Yeah, you're doing something you don't even want you know, to do. He, he's at yeah. work or whatever. And, you know, so I, I'm all set with this. I'm bored with this. This was when I can't remember whatever it was like fucking Babe Ruth League or something like that. And they're, you know, they're pitching 90 mile, fucking 100 mile an hour balls in my head. I'm like, I'm out of there. Fuck this. <laughs> <laughs> I just think it's interesting, though, that. Even even with all of that, like you would think with someone being so forceful with what they want you to do when you're doing all these things that you're getting in trouble for, but they're not even telling you that they know you were doing these things. It's like yeah, my, like that. My mom, let me tell you, yeah, no, she could find out I did something, and I mean, I'm t within five seconds, she's on know. my ass about it. She's yeah. like, it was never any, nothing was hush hush in our household. Yeah. I'm in school today. Knowing she already knew your ass and skipped class. She already talked to the teacher. Yeah. She's waiting to see if you're going to yeah. lie. And if you yeah. lie, she's going to really get your ass. Yeah. Like, I, I just find The that Matrix flip-flop. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Slow motion. Yeah. That's how when, 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 when my mom found out, you know, my girlfriend was, was pregnant. Like, <laughs> she was pregnant for like three months before we told anybody. We was like, I guess we're gonna, they're going to have to tell them eventually. They're going to know. Like we can't keep this shit from him forever. We would love to. Nobody's. We gotta keep. We gotta say something. But her mother. It's either say something or here carry around this fucking box of fast food all the time. <laughs> we just eat a lot. You know, her and her mother they live together, and so you know th their monthlies are synced up. And her mother started noticing that the feminine products weren't disappearing as fast as they should. And so she kept asking her questions and she's not a very good liar. So she was just like, oh, I have my own. And, and so one day we're in the car and she's mm -hmm. just like, I have a stomach ache. And she says that. And I'm looking at her like, why would you do that? And her mom looks in the rearview mirror at her and was like, we're going straight to the emergency room. And I knew like, you think I can live if I just jump out of the car now? Why did you do that? Yeah. And so her mother found out, um, tells her father. And of course her father calls my mom. So mind you, a day has went by. I'm not saying I hadn't said shit. I already know it. Everybody knows. I hadn't said a word. I'm in the bathroom. My mom just comes in the bathroom and she's like, so is Nicole pregnant? And I just kind of looked at her like, well, I know and she, if she asked. asked she <laughs> you asked, you know. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I'm kind of like looking at her and I'm watching my face and I'm like trying to act like I didn't hear the question. And she's like, boy, I know you heard me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I position myself to the other side of the sink, kind of thinking I'm arm length distance away because when I answer this, I think she's going to hit me. 
And uh, I was, I moved and I said, yeah, she's pregnant. And then she just got really quiet. And she's like, for like, it was the longest like minute I think I've ever had in my life. That shit is scary. Yeah. Your mom is quiet. And, and, and I can just feel her looking at me like it burned. It just hurt. <laughs> And Face just, melting. Yeah, and I'm like, just hit me. Already. Like, just, just, just hit Here me. Here it comes. Like, yeah, I really just want you to hit me. Like, get it <laughs> over. And then she just goes off. I think my mom cussed me out so bad. Like, she was like, you a little boy, and you trying to take care of a kid. You can't even take care of your damn self. And she's just going off on me. And I'm like, Ma, I know. I know. <laughs> and at this point, I'm honestly, I'm so relieved that she knows, because I'm like, I've been dealing with this by myself. Hello. <laughs> I'm glad you know. And, uh, but then it was like, you know, then she flipped because when she kind of started seeing that I was like really trying to take this responsibility on, she changed. But in the beginning, like I knew my mom didn't let nothing. It was like, if she knows, she's coming to you. Especially like you said, your parents said that you, the police calling the house. If the police calling my mom's house. Well, no, th those were, those were, um, times that were definitely had a discussion but like oh, school okay. school things and stuff like that the funniest the, the funniest one was this goes years later and um my dad uh, as i call it joined a, a big boys club and i guess yeah i'd call it a nice big boys white club um and what's a big boys nightclub white it's club. white club um like, like have you ever heard of something it's called the ancient and Honorable Artillery Club of Massachusetts. He's an ex-Marine. Okay. And supposedly only... only. You just got to be clear with that. When you say it's the big boy white club and we've been talking about racial stuff, I just want to make sure we know what club you're talking about. It's, <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's no, a lot it's, of white clubs. Yeah, there's a lot of white clubs. I don't know if you if he was told to stand by and stand back. <laughs> <laughs> it was... <laughs> It was the it was the it was the big boy white club KKK. I just don't want to say it. <laughs> <laughs> but it was it was it was uh, there and, and the I think at that point I think he was the ex chief of police for Shrewsbury. And when he met my dad, um, at the at at one of the the meetings or whatever where they're all talking, where he Stony, huh? He goes. Hey, do you have a son, Jeff? <laughs> Just like, oh, that's fucking awesome. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, I know him. <laughs> we see him all the time. <laughs> know that guy. <laughs> I just laugh it off because I look at, I, I always, it's for me, it was that whole thing of, you know, if you're worried about your reputation, well, I'll, I'll help. <laughs> I'll help. I'll help fuck it up. If, if I got you if, covered. If that's, yeah. your con if that's your concern, then I'm going to make some other things part of your concern too. <laughs> and I, and I, I know for me, I was out with my buddies one day. I was about 16 and we were at the store. My buddies was just swearing up a storm. They were just cussing. And, and I knew like back then, it's like when you see adults around, you got you to tighten up. You don't, you don't say those. Zip it. Yep. Zip it. My buddies were just going and going and going. And I'm being completely quiet. I don't even know who these people are, but apparently they knew me. And they knew my mother. So I got back to my mom that they were doing all this cussing, and I really wasn't. It, I got so much praise because in her mind, it was like, you made, you didn't embarrass me out there. You made me look good. Yeah, you made me look good because th to them, your bad behavior is a reflection on her parenting. Yes. And who she, you know, and so she's not having that. So it was like certain things you just don't do. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know you heard that. You're showing out in front of these people. 
making me look bad in these damn streets. <laughs> yeah, yep. And you can get your ass whooped with that whole saying. You that's that alone. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't I tell you? <laughs> yes. <see> everything. <laughs> Right, and hearing about things that happened at school, listen, uh, my mama would have came to that school. That time to you play. You did what? Uh, mess up in school and think you're going to go outside and get, oh, you got time to play in school. You don't got time to play nowhere else. You did all yeah. your in school. You're not yeah. doing <laughs> Oh, my God. I remember one time my classmate, <laughs> his mom came to the school with a belt, Woo. whooped his ass at the school. And tell you, that was like the highlight of my life that day. <laughs> <laughs> Watching yeah, him jump around and shit. Oh my god. That was, was my dad's uh, favorite one. Yeah, okay. he was uh, disrespecting the teacher. And um, someone called his mom and he didn't know she was on the way. So he was still acting the fool while she was looking through the little glass in the door. Oh, she, she was, was like, watching. Him. So uh -oh. all you could see oh, were her <laughs> eyes. You could see her eyes and a little bit of her hair. It's like, oh shit. And the teacher, we all could see her. His back was turned. And the teacher was like, mm hmm. And she just opened the door and did the come here motion. I bring that ass here. Hold <laughs> his ass up. Man, we was in the seventh grade. You know, at that time, he thinking he was cool and shit. Oh, we yeah. talked about that forever. Still talk about it. <laughs> uh, you, know, you know, now now she be locked up for doing that. Yeah, yep. yeah, absolutely. He's probably yeah. a congressman or something now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was going to say. Yeah, he's doing good. He is doing yeah, really good. Doing yeah. Good. I mean, I, I, you know, I stand, you know, I, I think there's a, you know, a place for spankings, but, you know, back then it was different, you know. It was different. Yeah, they were, they could paddle in school back even, in the day. Yeah, yeah, even Catholic, even like in, in the old Catholic schools, man, you didn't, you wise off, you had a nun that's going to smack your ass around. Yeah. yeah. When I was, I went to, I stayed with my grandmother for like a year and a half while my mom and dad, they had um, relocated to Germany. So while they were getting settled, they left me and my brother with my grandmother for a little while. And, uh, the school down there still did it. They call it corporal punishment, and uh -huh. uh, yeah, they used to spank us and put put their, put your name on the paddle. Swats. <laughs> yeah, they would spank you and put your man. We had this dude in my class. I wish I did you get to take class. it home afterwards too. No, well, you took that ass home. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, where where was this again, Bishop? North Carolina. North Carolina. Yeah, North Carolina. And and, it, and what made it worse is it's a, literally to this day that town still only has one stoplight. Um, <laughs> intersection, and, and it's it, it's funny because the town is so small that if you got in trouble in school, you would run into your teachers at the grocery store. No. You might see them at church, or you might see them at another event. So it wasn't. So you like, couldn't even escape. Like you yeah, act like, up there. Thought I got away. I got my little punishment at school, but that's it. No, nah, man, I Ugh. got in trouble with Miss King, and Miss King saw me and my grandmother in IGA. Man, please, I saw her. I just dropped my head. I said she. <laughs> It's like every, the whole town knows what you yeah. did. My grandmother, my grandmother was on my butt, but like we had this dude in my class named Russell. I don't know. Russell was trouble kid. I wish I knew his last name because I would love to look up Russell. Russell used to eat pencils. Um, so Russell was already trained. You know, you don't remember them big number two pencils, the real fat. Was ones? he white? Yeah. No, he was black. Okay. Yeah, it was. That, made it, made <laughs> I'm just it, checking. Made it even more interesting because it was like. <laughs> We don't see shit like that. <laughs> That's why I asked. Well, come on, everybody <laughs> ate Elmer Glue. Yeah. No. Yeah, I put it on my hand. I so put I it in my hand it. and let it so dry. Peel yeah. it off. Yeah. Peel it off. Like, yeah. I did that, but eating it, I used to smell it. That's probably not good either. Well, now we have. We know what happened to Stony. 
<laughs> There's yeah. a lot that happened to me. Yeah. I tell you what, Russell's name was all over that paddle. Russell used to get spanked so much. That teacher got so tired of Russell. She took him. We had a bathroom in the classroom. She took him in the bathroom and dropped his pants. And you could hear that paddle hitting Ooh. him. Oh. After eating pencils? Well, he was doing something else. He was always doing something. It was like he was just that kid that every single day there was something that was going on with him. Yeah. You know, you know, back then I can't remember enough about probably now I'd probably be like, there's something wrong. Yeah. I could probably see it. But back then I was just like, man, Russell, you bad as hell. Like they keep hitting you with this paddle and you keep coming back for more. Like what is <laughs> you're, you're not tired, yeah. Russell. <laughs> I'm, I'm talking like it was like the you know the cutting boards that people use the wood. Yeah. That's yeah. what it looked like. Mm-hmm. It looked like one of those wood like and she you, so you know it hurt. Yeah. <sighs> This is what this is what over and over and over, and he would just the next day he'd come in and get his ass whooped some more, and I just couldn't Damn. understand. Like, I know she's telling your family, so I know you're getting the same thing back at home. It's you know, it hurt. Disconnect, but yeah, I mean, our black families didn't play that, man. You just don't embarrass them, uh-huh. you know. That the so the whole corporate punishment thing. I don't know, Sonny. Did you have that? Because I think that's a southern thing. They didn't have it in California. Um. Well, once again, like back to the this was this was well my one experience for I think two grades at a Catholic school. Which I don't know why you send someone that was baptized Protestant to a Catholic school. But hey, there's a smart white thing to do. <laughs> um. You know, I, I had seen a couple of classmates get smacked with a ruler from from you know the, mm. the nuns and whatnot. But you know that was about it. But they did. I mean, I remember hearing stories of people that had been beaten. I remember when even when I moved to Massachusetts, seeing teachers whip erasers at kids. You know, we had one kid that used to always fall asleep, and you'd have the teacher who just go grab this big ass fucking book off his desk, just come up to the desk and just be like. Well, kid, jump up and <laughs> yeah, stuff like that. I ain't think it's too bad. Nah, um, and for us, like our teachers, I guess things was changing at this time. They were they would show the paddle and threaten you, but at this time they wasn't allowed to actually paddle anybody. I think our parents had we had like the option you could opt out of it. I care your child. Would you allow this or not? So my mom would. I was, Have your mom sign the sheet for us. What's that? They, we need permission to beat your ass. Right, right. <laughs> signed it. I got hit once. Once they put my name on that paddle once, that was it for me. And you didn't need no. Need no. Got, <laughs> by the time I got to high school, I think was the time that any type of any type of little shit like that would happen. There would be something depending on the person. I remember. Mm-hmm. I remember we had uh, one kid in school. The he was a troublemaker, but he made some smart ass comment to a teacher and the teacher had just fucking had it and threw him up against the wall. That's all it took. The mother was there suing the suing the teacher, suing the school. Yeah, I'd be there, but I ain't suing nobody. Somebody getting fucked up. Don't my kids. Right. <laughs> they might sue me. <laughs> I can throw them against the wall, but you can't throw them against the wall. <laughs> I, I think today's time, like uh, people get carried away. And get like, back in the day, it was just like a spanking. I'm, you know, get your ass whooped, and that's it. But today, they are 
choking your kids and you know they're doing things that they, they really the should. problem though man is these kids built different they they don't care about their reputations they don't care how they no how they, they don't they don't even have to be the family they don't care how they represent themselves and they period they, yeah. they, because they know like the laws are in my favor that i can do these things and you technically can't do anything to me they push buttons purposely these days. That's why I'm a photographer and not a teacher. I'll fuck a kid up. I know that. So it's, I, I stay in my lane. <laughs> a heartbeat. I, yeah, I'm the same way. I could. Yeah. I, I have I, a third level, and then I'm like, now you're just talking too grown. Yeah, I have welcome, the utmost welcome respect. Welcome to Street Justice 101. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I have a lot of respect for teachers. Like that, that is a lane I know I cannot be in. My mother is right. so good about it. That's why I love her because she, she's a teacher and a retired teacher now. And she was amazing with the way she talked to these kids. But I remember when I first got out of the military, I worked as a uh, program assistant at this, uh, it was like a summer school type summer program. And I had this group of kids that I was working with. And this one little girl just was, she was mouthy. She was grown. She was just, she was just too, she was too much, too much. Mm. And she knew like nobody could do anything to her. And uh, one day she just literally was just cussing me out, just cussing me out. She's like, you can't do shit to me. No way. You can't do nothing. So I kind of just walked up to her and politely like leaned down in her ear. And I said, legally, I can't do nothing. I said, but there's nobody here stopping me from whooping your ass right now. <laughs> and I said, what you need to decide is how much I really, really like this job. <laughs> right. <laughs> you, know, you know, and she kind of looked at me because I'm like, yo, at this point, I'm having enough. Like, I got to let you know, like, you doing too yeah, much. I'm, them consequences might be worth it for me because you need this yep. lesson. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you definitely need this lesson. But, you know, it. it, it I don't know. I, I couldn't do it, man. I, I look at the stuff my mom was able to do with it. And, and you know, the people that I know that are teachers, my heart goes out to them. Cause, yeah. Well, I mean, what they're how they're teaching nowadays, I don't even I don't even understand much anymore. I mean, I, I one of the bands I was in, the lead singer, she was a, a teacher and well, still is actually. But even she would complain about it because all they were doing was teaching them towards, towards testing. They still are. Nothing's changed. Yeah. Like that's just, you know, there's so it's, early. It's, it's no, yeah, it's no, like we're not actually teaching kids anything. We're just setting them up to take this test. Yeah. Cause they need the numbers to look good. Well, well not just that. Um, the numbers got to look good. And these teachers, if they get a certain amount of kids that don't, they can lose their job too. So it, it's unfortunate because they're not really teaching these kids anything. Um, they're just teaching them the stuff that they need to know for a test, but it doesn't really help them. That's why a lot of them are struggling when they get to college. Um, yep. You know, they don't because they don't have a lot of these tools. When they get to life. Yeah, and they get to yeah, life. Yeah, life. Yeah. So, Stoney, can I ask you, like, did you, obviously you didn't become a lawyer. Nope. Um, with your run-ins with the law, it probably would have been beneficial. Um, but, but how did your family feel about like you not doing those things that they wanted you to do? Like what, what was the repercussions of that? Um, I mean, I just didn't have too much support in anything that I, I would do. I mean, for the most part back then, I mean, I was really focused on, on music. Um, you know, did the, the band thing for the fucking longest time i mean i was i think i was around 35 years old for my mom to actually say to me well i guess this just isn't a hobby is it 
That is a long I mean, time. If, if, <laughs> if that gives you any type of, you know, I mean, that's at least, you know, as far as actually doing the band thing seriously, you know, that's at least 15 years from, you know, being like, you know, 18, around the years 18 to 20 and stuff like that. When I really so do you think they um, still, have, even though you talk about music a lot, they still had those high hopes that you would still become a lawyer or a doctor or something? Oh, no, I think, um, well, actually, I think they were, they were happy and, 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 rather proud when i went to um as i well as it's called now fraud tech which used to be known as itt tech mm-hmm. but you know they decided to fucking bully people and and <laughs> i have this lovely you know eighty thousand dollar fucking piece of paper on the wall now but <laughs> you know i know my mom was was really proud of that when i went into the it world and stuff like that but um overall with the music my mom supported me more than my dad did because my dad just always had that old school mentality. You know, this this goes to what I always love, love to refer to as the lovely generation gap between me and my parents. Like they're well, well older than what normal parents for someone my age would be. And to put it, put it into perspective, well, now technically my grandmother as well, Sparky T's grandmother that she was just living with and my mom are at the same age. Okay. So they had way more of the old school agenda on you that, yeah. Extremely. Extremely old school way of thinking, everything. Yeah. You know, so so that's kind of where I, I feel a lot of internal conflict came between myself and them as well. Just because it was like, there's just it was like a point of view or an aspect that they just didn't get mm-hmm. and nothing that you could say or do would really explain it to them. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I get that. I can see, I can see that. That's gotta be tough, man. Mm-hmm. Boy, life. I tell you, we gotta stop fucking our kids up parents. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Get your shit together. <laughs> oh, I'm hoping I can have my, Keeping my shit together because my kids are little, so I don't want them it's, to be. <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, it does. It starts at home, but the thing is, too, is it's you know, it's not so much. Well, <clears throat> I mean, you know, I have no ill will towards them. Uh, I was definitely, I would say, I was probably definitely more of a, a mama's boy. My older brother was the one who was more of the father's boy. Um. You know, you can see that you can see that now as, you know, we interact and whatnot. Um, so it's definitely there, there's, you know, it depends on how, how things go with, with between between your, your parental units. <laughs> yeah. In a sense. And the tough part about being a parent though is there's no damn no manuscript, no book. And then and, you know, if you got multiple children, you just they're all different. So mm-hmm. you, you kind of got to learn how to adjust. And sometimes you just don't get it right off the bat as much <laughs> as you want to. It's not from ill intentions. It's just. I think the hardest, and I, I'm not a parent. I can only speak from, from having the privilege of being a godparent and, and helping somewhat raise them. But there's just a certain, um, uh, what the hell am I looking for? 
it's remembering that you were a kid once too. Right. And mm -hmm. so you almost have to take, take yourself back to that time frame to see, okay, well, what was that? What was it? Hit your mom up. Hey mom, what did I do when I was like nine years old or, or, you know, what was I like? But see, the thing yeah. is, is, where the challenge is, even when you remember you were a kid, especially when you did get to those years where those decisions are like life changing, um, it's, it's, it's difficult because you know that you were a kid and you know what you were thinking and you know, like, even if you died something, you know what the consequences could have been. So mm -hmm. that fear is even stronger as a parent, you know, like you don't want your kids to be having, a, you know, sex at a young age because you know that, hey, look, you can have kids. I know that I had my children young. I don't regret it. I also know that it was it was a lot of work, though. Yeah, and we just don't want you to go through it. Yeah, and I don't want you to have to go through that struggle if you don't have to. So for me, it's like, yeah, I know what you're thinking. You know, at that age, you're 17, I'm looking at my son. Like, I know, I know how you, I see how you're looking at these little girls. Boy, you better, you know, listen. Pharmacy <laughs> <laughs> stay supplied up. You need to make sure you get your butt down there, get all the, the the condoms you can use. And if you don't have the money, I'll buy them for you. But you better use them because it's a lot of work taking care of another mouth, and you don't even know how to feed yourself. And so your fear gets stronger when you mm. when you've been there and you see them going down paths that um everything on, on, under the sun has been done already. So nothing is new. It's now it's just. I think, well, I wouldn't even say they think that um, kids are more wild. I just think everything now is caught on camera. Yeah. Yeah. They're not doing anything any different than most of us were doing. I mean, I, I, my, my first kid was on the way. I was 17. So I was already doing a lot of the same stuff that they, they just now decide that they should put it all on social media. You know? Back, <laughs> right. They, 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 they want their likes. Exactly. And, but... and it's, everybody wants their likes and, 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 you would think that with these cultural differences of the way people say, look, you got to represent your family a certain way. Like I know for a fact, when I'm looking at this LeBron James thing with his son getting caught on Instagram, smoking weed, I know for a fact that LeBron James is like, I got to finish this, this series so I can go home and I can choke the shit out of my son. Because <laughs> you, know, you know you know better. <laughs> but the pressure that somebody like his son is under at the same time, it's got to be on a whole nother level. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're already getting attention for playing basketball and you're not even 16 years old yet. You're not even old enough to drive and college is interested in you. And your dad is the greatest basketball player on the planet right now. That pressure's got to be enormous. So I know yeah. Ron's probably still like, I get it. But dude, on camera? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. On camera, like Yeah. I can tell my but, And there's the there's a double edged sword of that though. Because of who he is, ninety percent of the time there's always gonna be a camera around. And, and that's right. this is a camera he chose to stand in front of. This is when he you know it, it's, he it's, did it himself, yeah. I didn't say he was a brain surgeon for doing it, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta think too, right now at fifteen years old, he's a top he's in the he's the thirtieth best player in the country. Mm. At 15, that's in the country. Yeah, that's that's something to be proud of. So even if you were just a regular kid, most black families are gonna say, "Dude, keep your ass in the house." Yeah, way out. So the problem is somebody like him. Even if he don't go to college, his daddy gonna probably take care he of. He'll still be okay. Yeah, and so now he's in a whole nother level. Their culture is gonna be different than mine. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. The kids I know growing up. You were, if you had a way out and it was a sport, most of the people in the neighborhood kept you from doing the dumb stuff because they wanted you to make it. Yeah. 
You know what I mean? People wanted to see you do some, man. You don't be doing that, bro. Like, do you recruit to see you doing that? Then you gonna lose your scholarships. Like, nobody wanted that to happen to people that they thought had potential. Yeah. So, you know, like I wonder what his culture is like in that house. Like, what what do you say to somebody like that? When your daddy's practically a billionaire, and you know, <laughs> you're not gonna let you be on the street. So <laughs> I might want to smoke a little weed. If I don't want to play basketball, my daddy'll take care of me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. that's, that's a, a different, 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 different culture. Definitely, right? Totally different. Yeah. that don't have anything to do with race. Right. <laughs> yeah. All right, guys, we're gonna wrap it up. Do we have any final thoughts? Um, I'm just glad that I met you guys, and we're on this podcast together to talk about our experiences before we met and currently while we're together. Yeah, ditto. We get to grow together. Yeah, it's nice. I think always so. Good, always good to be learning. It is. I do feel more enlightened to a lot of things about um, my whiteness, my white privilege, and what it means to be black every day. Seriously. I'm saying it with a joke because that's just me. I have to, I laugh at weird shit, awkward times. <laughs> um but yeah, no, I've really appreciated the honesty um, on the show because I do. I feel like I've learned so much more. Um, and I think us being strangers too, and so that we're intentional about talking about these topics, I've learned a lot. And I feel like it's definitely opened my eyes a lot more to, um, to you know, just that post you put up. Like, I know I will never truly understand but I will always stand with you, you know, but like the more that I do know and learn, it helps me, um, helps me become a better person. It helps me have better conversations with people, you know? Um, cause otherwise we're just kind of like white people saying, don't say that man is really rude. And like, you shouldn't say that cause it's not nice. Um, I know I've definitely shared conversations armed, armed with the knowledge. Yeah. Of you're armed with, say that. Yeah. You're armed with knowledge. Like I've definitely shared your story KB and like your, your stories about being parents, you know, being mm -hmm. black and like what it means to be a black parent and to have those conversations with the kids for you KB, like your story of standing on the corner that day and feeling just alone, you know, when the yeah. cops are like swarming you and just like all these different experiences, like it's really, helped me have those conversations with my other friends and um and it opens their eyes you know they're like shit i would have never thought about that i'm like yeah, yeah i think a platform like this really is needed to have people talk about things that are that makes them different but we all can come together under one platform um right. to talk. yeah um, a lot of time the miscommunication people it's, fuss they bicker and you don't get anywhere yeah so at least here we know that we can get all get our thoughts out. Yeah. Yeah. In a safe space. All right, guys. Thank you for joining us on another lovely episode of the Radical Lounge. Uh, say good night, Stony. Good night, Stony. Say good, <laughs> say good night, Bishop. I knew he was gonna do it. Y'all go out and vote, please. Go out and vote. Yes. Oh God, yes. Please vote. Please vote. If we, not any other time, this time. And we'll be talking about these debates uh, and maybe the next one. We'll see. Uh, <laughs> that was a shit show, but we'll save that for another <laughs> one. Uh, say goodnight, 
KB. Good night, everyone. I hope you all have a great evening. Good night from Sparky T. Be kind to one another. Be fucking on time. When you say you're going to be somewhere. Because <laughs> I hate waiting on people. I love you, Bishop. <laughs> Give me a gong or something. I don't know. <laughs> and you get this. Yeah. <laughs> be kind to one another remember communication is key if you can just take a deep breath come back be mindful and thoughtful and loving with your words words are powerful um they can hurt but they can also heal so we love y'all thanks for listening i love you guys thanks for being here and that's it <laughs> oh wait my mind has been blown <laughs> We don't have a sound effect for that yet. <laughs> <laughs> my, my mind has been blown. There we go. Oh. It was very, very. Is that like a sparkler? No, it was short. <laughs> <laughs> All right, y'all. Good night. <laughs> Peace out, people. Later. Hey guys, thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow our hosts online, you can find KB on Instagram at growingvibrations underscore magazine, a magazine for diverse, creative, open-minded people talking about entrepreneurship to cannabis-infused butter. Or you can email her at growingvibrationsmag at gmail.com. And you can find Bishop on Instagram at conscious underscore concepts with a Z or on consciousconcept.com t-shirts for the conversation uplift your mind for sparky t head on over to instagram at radical underscore bohemian underscore digital or you can head over to radical bohemian for all your out of the box radical digital marketing needs i'm stony and i ain't selling shit